Hello, and welcome to a very special 10th anniversary edition of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who just needs to stop over in a village and raid it for just, just, just as a treat, just a little bit, okay? I am the Adam Glass, and what's life if you can't... <laughs> you just can't stop at a random vis- vis- village on the way in and, and raid it. If you can't lead your own enemies uh, into a small town... Uh, as a revenge plot against your brother, and then feel bad about it's it just, later. I, I, it's the only, maybe the only comedic scene in the movie. But when the when the like the Mongolian general rides up and he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm late. I had to stop over and attack this village on the way." I was like, "Yeah, yeah. did you just put a joke in this movie?" Uh, the other joke during that sequence that that is in both cuts of the movie. Uh, there, there is a cut to a guy who is bleeding out the neck. Yeah, and and on a piece of on a log. Oh yeah, beside <laughs> him is the saw going? Is the old timey saw? <laughs> yes, keeping beat to it's the such... movie to the music, mind you. Yeah, yeah. it's so <laughs> it's, weird. It's, it's really it. straight. Like there, it's not the only. Com- there are multiple comedic scenes in this no. movie, but it's it's there's right. The movie's so dark, and then to have these like really strange comedic interludes is just really, it's wild. I love it, but it's wild. <laughs> Pat, this is our 10th anniversary show. It's kind of unbelievable what you're saying right now. Yeah, the movie we're going to talk about was voted on by our Patreon supporters, so I want to take a second to talk about our Patreon real quick. Uh, Everybody uh, supporting us on Patreon was was a part of this vote, but they also get to vote on a different movie every month. That's what we do with our Patreon. We have a bonus episode uh, every month, January to November, that supporters get to vote on for as little as a dollar a month. It really helps keep us going, and we're so grateful to all those dollar supporters. Uh, the vote is on a non-criterion film, usually. Um, I mean, the regular vote is always on a non-criterion film. This is on a criterion film because we are particularly revisiting uh, a movie we had already watched, was the uh, the whole MO of this of this episode. So over there we watch, you know, a lot of interesting movies, some really low low quality stuff like uh, uh kicking and screaming starring Will Ferrell. I mean, I wasn't going to really that quality one up stuff because I consider that a, a well, I dark thought since we're, spot in our in our century. Since, since we're uh since we're talking retrospectively, I thought I would I would pull back one of the the earliest very bad movies we watched on the Patreon. Um and we also, uh, you know, very early on watched really good movies on the Patreon too, like Aliens. Yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot really we watched Aliens. <laughs> but the Alien yeah. episode is truly a very special episode. So if you if you it are a, a member of episode. the Patreon and you want to, this if you want to we, uh, enjoy talking about a, there was, not the Alien we watched. <laughs> there was a point where I released the director's cut. You should listen of, to both of the oh, Aliens man. episode. It's a real good that episode. Is, uh, it's really good. Nearly, nearly twice as long because we had a we had a guest on that episode who uh spent a lot of time talking about a different aliens movie that one he uh, had not seen 
what he had not seen, and it's very fun. It is a great uh, episode. Anyway. It's maybe one yeah. of the best Patreon episodes we ever did. But yeah, that that one dollar that one dollar mark gets you access to the uh, to those bonus episodes, to the vote, to to the whole back catalog of all those bonus episodes too. So you can really dig into that if you really like it. Uh, and we greatly appreciate everybody at the $1 mark. But a little above that, $5 for folks who can afford it and want to help us keep going a little more. And, again, very grateful to those guys because I I don't know that we would have stopped doing this without the Patreon support. Uh, but 10 years in, it is definitely helpful. Yeah, it does Patreon It does support. sort of like so. – it's an, it's an odd experience because you're like, yeah, we would, I would, we would keep going, I'm sure. But, like, yeah, it adds a little extra, like, pep in our step. Yeah, but those uh, those five dollar supporters, we'd like to thank them on air. So thank you so much to Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Cordonado, and Stephen Goldmeyer, our current five dollar supporters. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. A little above that, at ten dollars and above, uh, we do something pretty dang special. I think Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently every month, and I get that printed up on a postcard and write a little personalized thank you note and mail that off. We also like to thank those $10 and above supporters on air. Thank you so much to Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, Adam Speakerman, Tracy McGrath, and Jason Westhaver. Yes, thank you all of you. If you want to see those postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion. Over there you can see the past postcards. You can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards. Uh, one as a t-shirt, a uh, few as buttons. You should buy the t-shirt. Uh, a lot of the magnets. The t-shirt's great. Yeah. Yeah, you should justify. Uh, you Figure out the t-shirt, buy it. Um, we made the t-shirt by a special request and then that person didn't buy the t-shirt. That's I think probably because we took too long it to make it. It took me a while. So. I, I did not realize how much yeah. work was going to be involved in making that. Completely had to redo yeah. the art to make it a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so go buy the t-shirt so we can justify yeah. it. Yeah. And if you want a t-shirt, uh, not that it matters. give me a six to eight month lead time and you can have a t-shirt. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> no. It actually it only took six weeks, but it was six. He wanted it as a, yes, it, it the, was the person a who requested it wanted weeks. it as a Christmas yeah. present. So, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I think we did get it up there just late enough that they had probably thought of something else by that point. But now you but, have a built-in um, birthday present for anybody yeah, that you care yeah. about. Yeah, with a with a T-shirt featuring a Christmas movie. Um, it's appropriate. What? It's Christmas every it every birthday is a Christmas, or yeah. every Christmas is a birthday. Yeah. I don't know. And it's only arguably a Christmas movie, um, but yeah. So uh, thank you so much to everyone who has purchased something from our Red Bubble. Uh, thank you even to the person who requested a T-shirt and then didn't buy it because I just like that you liked the art enough to ask. Yeah, it makes so. me really happy. I uh, enjoyed fixing yeah. it so it could be a T-shirt. So. Yeah. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports us on the Patreon, and thank you all for listening. Ten years, Pat. I don't believe Ten it. Years I refuse to believe this. it. You're lying to me at this point. I, well, I mean, you, you should believe it because it's actually been more than ten years. Yes, because uh, of the way we started this. We built a yeah. – how big was that uh, that buffer? We gave ourselves a full half-year buffer or something like that, didn't we, at the beginning? Okay, so, so I know this uh, because I have been revisiting these things. We started recording in about mid-May okay. 2012. We waited that long after our, our initial winter holiday Die Hard episode? No, 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 no. No, the Die Hard episode was the 38th episode we recorded. It was the first one released. 
I thought January we recorded, 2013. I thought, I'm so confused now. I thought no. that was the first one we recorded too, but I guess not. Huh? No, no, no. We knew what we were doing by the time we recorded. That's it. Well, episode, I mean, actually. debatable, but yeah, okay. Well, marginally, like, we marginally 30, in better. the 30s we did not really know what we were doing. We recorded this episode, uh, the original Andre Rublev episode. We recorded in on November 10th, 2012. Wow. Uh, it that, is so. It's been. It's one of wow. Yeah, it is one of three movies we recorded that night. That episode. We were that suicidal block. at the time. It's also worth noting. Our plan. Our plan at the time was we didn't know how long we would be able to maintain a weekly podcast. So our idea was we'll get as much of a buffer as we can, and we joke about this in the episode that at that point not a single episode had been released. Uh, and we weren't planning on releasing them until January 2013. So we joked that uh, if you have any feedback for us, you won't see it reflected <laughs> in the show yeah. until at least at least 2014. Which is which uh, was accurate. Which is it was an accurate thing accurate. to say. Uh, yeah. Which uh, which was funny because we were still reading feedback and stuff, which was which made it really interesting because right. I would check out iTunes every so often. And like get a little yeah, we checked we checked feedback as soon as we started yeah. posting them. And like, but, oh uh, no, people yeah. hate it, and that yeah. hasn't changed. So because iTunes sucks. So the night we recorded this, it was the third episode we had recorded that night. I was apparently sick that week because we talk about how I watched Andre Rublev in bed. Oh my goodness. Uh, and yet you remember it better than also, I do because I don't remember yeah. Andre Rublev at all, yeah. other than the flying that scene night in the beginning. We, That's it. Yeah, that night we also watched David Lean's Oliver Twist. I remember that. Uh, and we also <laughs> and we also talked about uh, Robert Flaherty's Manic of the North was one of oh, the other right. one of the other episodes. Yeah, we watched I remember that. that. I remember that one but, because I had seen that movie. But already. yeah, Rublev Rublev was the last one we recorded. Our, our plan at the time was every couple of weeks we recorded two or three episodes. It was mostly three at the time. We uh, were doing three more often yeah. than not, which was suicidal. Yeah. Yeah, it was dumb. We were, I was um, staying up until and 2 then, or 3 o'clock in the morning every week or every other weekend. Yeah. So this was actually uh, because of the way that every other week worked out with American Thanksgiving. This was our only recording in November of that year. We had one more recording the first or second week of December. Right. And then the 22nd of December, you came back to the U.S., to your parents' house in Mansfield, and we hung out and called Andy Heaney over, our dear old friend Andy, who has only ever been on one episode of this podcast. Is that the only one he's ever been on? No, wait. Wasn't he Mm -hmm. on another Christmas special? I I thought we invited him over for another Christmas special. I think we may have tried one time, but I don't think he ever made it to another one. Uh, I could be wrong. I could be misremembering. I thought um, he might have been like Die Hard 2 or something like that. In any case, uh, we uh, invited him over and we all watched Die Hard and we recorded that and we released that as the very first episode of the podcast. Right. Uh, publicly released was January 1st. Because there was uh, no Patreon at the time. It's worth noting. Yeah. 2000, yeah 2013. Uh, January 1st, Die Hard went out. And then uh, January 4th, uh, The Grand Illusion. The first spine. Something at that point we had recorded a full, out. almost a full year previously. Yeah, yeah. The previous May we had recorded that, uh, and we did that one as a sort of standalone thing. We might have even recorded that uh, in April. Honestly, I don't actually have. I don't have calendar marks. I only remember. Right. I mean, I guess I could go look and see when the file was made, because <laughs> I still have yeah. all the f- original files I made. So. 
right right yeah i'm curious um so so we did that way back then and yeah and then uh january the weekend of the the 20th uh I was in Pittsburgh, and that is when I hung out with Dan Harmon and talked with Dan Harmon and and his entourage about how, uh, because it was all the movies we had just watched, uh, talked about uh, Die Hard and Armageddon and how we were doing this Criterion project. And then the next week, uh, he made a joke on his podcast about about, uh, uh, Die Hard. Not Die Hard. uh, Armageddon, yeah. Armageddon being in the Criterion collection, but Die Hard not. Was the was the format of it was a joke pulled entirely from the conversation we had just had, which I uh, still I, am hurt for you. You're not hurt, but I still would have would have appreciated some just just even just uh, it, this guy I met in Pittsburgh, right? Anything? Uh, really. I don't even need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any so here's the deal. That's all right. Grand Illusion was recorded on April twenty eighth, two thousand twelve. I know this because that is the yeah. date the file was created on my computer. Because this is still the same fucking hard drive. My uh yeah, my last modified for my grand illusion notes is April twenty seventh, two thousand. Yeah, which tracks so, because yeah. you and I are in very different time zones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, it's been long and, time. and longer than the ten and, years on the on the more like a full eleven for us. Ten years yeah. for the podcast yeah. itself. Um we we so, ate up all that so yeah, buffer. By the, well, we made that buffer. The reason we made that buffer, it's worth noting, is that you and I have tried prior to this multiple right. things that were intended to be weekly or regular things and yeah. failed miserably at all of them. Like dramatic, right. and they ended up being monthly or or, ne- or, or like once or every yearly. six months or once a year. <laughs> yeah. And so we we weren't yeah. sure that we were like okay. Well, our idea was like well, if we build a humongous buffer, it'll sort of force us yeah. to keep going because we'll want to like. Like it'll be established so, already. It would be weird to stop at that point, right? So because we had had one more recording session, that means when the very first episode of Lost in Criterion posted, we had already recorded through spine number thirty-seven, Time Bandits, right? Uh, so yeah, we had thirty-seven, thirty-seven episodes in the bag. Well, thirty-eight. And then technically, we ate up that throw, buffer. Like I think with the birth of yeah. my ch- my second child, basically. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, more or less. Um between between holidays the next year and you moving and the birth of your child. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, we, moving and, we and ate up the that, birth of Dylan, yeah. Those two things pretty much yeah, yeah. like sealed the deal on that thirty seven I I mean I took like I think when when Dylan was born yeah. I took like a two month holiday or three month holiday on this basically. We right, burned through right, probably right. like 12 like 12 or 16 episodes alone just with that uh yeah now now we have to create buffers it's a thing we have to do actively so very different animal than it was 10 years ago also we know in theory we have a format and a style now that we did not have back then which is kind of nice as soon as we started posting if we'd stopped recording we could have made it to the almost the end of september yeah uh, just on the episodes we had already recorded, which is—I <laughs> so, yeah, mean, we were real... we were crazy, but we knew ourselves and and accurately right. understood that we might drop this. Like, well, I mean, like a lot of podcasts disappear, right? Like, it's worth right. noting that right. we're not only the oldest Criterion podcast, the Extant podcast, <laughs> but we also like 
in addition, like we're kind of the, like they, they come and go. Like I mean, they're like well, iTunes is littered yeah. with the the I bodies think, of dead Criterion podcasts. That's fair. That's fair. I think David Blakesley's uh, has been re- recording podcasts longer than we've been doing. I do remember when we started, there were enough other Criterion Collection podcasts that every every play on the Criterion Collection that I thought of as a name had already been taken. And they're all gone. Um, so we ended up with Lost in Criterion as a play on Lost in Translation, but also uh, the fact that we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, and that's that's still uh, accurate. We're still morons. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's yeah. Uh, and it, it also wasn't fundamentally a podcast about socialism or communism at the time either. So it's you know that's, that's <laughs> no, it wasn't. Thing. It wasn't. Yeah. So for our tenth anniversary, what we did was Pat and I both made a list, intending to make a list of ten movies <laughs> from the first one hundred. We spots. couldn't even get that right. <laughs> no, no, and we both turned in lists of nineteen movies from the first one hundred <laughs> spots. It's weird, also, that we ended up with yeah. the same number, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think I think whether or not we ended up with the same number is also its own sort of uh, numbering error, <laughs> right? Well, I have a couple, a couple of what like. Number A, number B, and and I have one that's yeah, unnumbered yeah. at the did, end of my list. And I did that at least once as well, uh, where where because you know, I ranked my list, right. so it was like mine, number mine was number no, twelve A, twelve B, or something. Yeah. Um. So uh, you can see those lists on the Patreon if you want to go to. But before, uh, I gave three weeks, and I put together from those lists, I took eight movies that Pat and I had both mentioned. And then I took one movie that Pat mentioned that I hadn't thought about and thought was a good idea. And I took one movie that I mentioned. Uh, I asked Pat to pick a couple that I mentioned, and then I picked one of them um, that uh, that he hadn't had on his original list. Uh, and, yeah, I put together a list of 10, and I set up a ranked choice voting system so that people could uh, move around and and you know, rank choice voting is weird uh, if you've never done it. Um, but the way this online one formatted was that you just clicked and dragged to order the movies in in your t- own top ten list. Oh, uh, interesting. And then, okay, yeah. So you weren't picking and like one, two, and three. You were picking the order of all ten. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, which, you know, the way that it actually handles that information basically mo- means that uh, after the first round, because uh, the other thing about ranked choices is it essentially sets up an ad hoc, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Caucus system. Uh, so, right. So, yeah, the way the system actually works is it takes the, the three or five or whatever that have, were all voted number one by everyone who voted um and then ranks them based on how many people voted for them so you know whichever one got three votes for number one and whichever one got two votes for number one blah 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 down the line uh and if there's not a clear winner there it knocks off the ones that got votes well it it already knocked off all the ones that were that didn't get a number one rating whatever um even though technically everyone voted for every movie, right? Because they ranked right, the right, list. yeah, that's true, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so it knocks off the bottom of the pack, and then, uh, and then regages based on the top movie from 
from everyone's list that's left, basically. You go through the Patreon. I, I posted the poll results and it explains exactly what it does in the system. Uh, but it there was a pretty clear leader from early on, at least. And that was Andre Rublev. Um, so that's what we're revisiting. Which which is interesting to me because, like, I under I mean, I thought the list was pretty good. Well, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, other other movies on the list: uh, Vagabond, Armacord, Branded to Kill, uh, The Magic Flute. Um, there was a lot of uh, Alphaville on there too for this one. A lot of films that were our first interaction with given directors. Right. Yeah. I yeah I was kind of that's true. Andre when, when I was making yeah. my list as well. Then there were there were some where uh, for one reason or another I thought it would be interesting or fun or uh, redeeming to revisit. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, including uh, the Night Porter, uh, Blood of the Poet. I put on the list. Um, and uh, and Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, just because I wanted um, to vindicate myself that yeah. I am still right that that yeah. is a trash movie. Yeah. Uh, the Seventh Seal didn't make it onto the vote list because I put it on my list, and Pat didn't put it I on his list. I thought it was list. on my list. Uh, it was not on your list? Seven Samurais on your list. Uh, maybe you got confused. No, I mean, I, me- but, uh, I think I meant to. I may have cut it out, but I did mean to put it on my list. Yeah. I that's yeah. my oversight. Um, um, I kind of assumed we were going to do that one, and then when you announced it was under yeah. Google, I was like, "Huh, I expected Seven Seal yeah. to win." And then I find out yeah. now that I didn't put it on my list, which is uh, which is very list, funny. Which is to why me. it didn't make it. Which is why it didn't make it on the list, and and would explain why you didn't mark it as one you were willing to revisit on my list because you were still assuming it was still on your yeah, list. Yeah, so, so I assumed it was going to show yeah. up on the final. Well, all right. So, well, okay. So the fifteenth anniversary, the we'll do Seven Seal. Okay. Yeah. So the seventh seal didn't make the cut because of communication errors, <laughs> which is like kind Oops. of like sorry guys, it's kind of really it's perfect. perfect for it's us. It's perfect. Uh, it's what it needs. Yeah. It was uh, yeah, yeah. We'll um, do it fifteenth anniversary. I, okay. I remember not uh, from the moment we recorded, at least from the moment I edited it, if not from the moment I record uh, we recorded. Uh, I remember thinking that we did not, we not didn't do the seventh seal right, and I said this in my list. Uh, I think part of it might be that I knew that was a movie we should like. Right, right, right. That, you know, something something beyond just being you and I, it was, it's Bergman. Everybody knows Bergman. And it's yeah, I mean, there was a lot of weight on it. And it's fairly like. early we, on. Yeah. And honestly speaking, yeah. like, um, we just didn't have, we weren't. Yeah. We don't. We don't. We didn't have the sort of grammar and and sort of no. thought processes necessary to cover a lot of that stuff. I, there's a no. uh, frankly, Can I, I would be, I would be satisfied to literally loop back and redo the first, the entire first one hundred. <laughs> like I could, that's uh, right, a thing right, I right. could do yeah. and feel totally satisfied I with think, myself. A thing I did in preparation for this was I went back and listened to our first Andre Rublev episode, and I. I think we've been pretty clear on this since around episode 200, if not if not sooner. Um, we don't suggest anyone listen to the first 100 episodes. They're not good. Uh, I mean, we didn't, like, legitimately, um, part of the problem is, is that, there's, like... There's good bits in there. I had never... I was not a person who listened to film... Or listened or read a lot of film criticism prior yeah. to this. And didn't have yeah. a good handle on how to do it in a way that was, like, largely serious instead of just yeah. stupid. Yeah. And the result is that like I the tone for the first hundred episodes is just bad. It's just wrong. 
at least for me. Like yeah. I think you were taking it a little bit more seriously, but you weren't not like neither of us was like film I'm, criticism experts or right. anything like that. Yeah. And like while we're not so, still, we at least kind of understand like what that entails right. at least a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. So some interesting highlights from that okay. episode. Hit me with uh, it. In in introducing it, okay. I I say that uh, Tarkovsky is probably regarded as the greatest director to come out of Soviet Rus- Russia, and you immediately push back on that. Look at uh, me and mention Eisenstein and Battles- uh, Battleship Potemkin, uh, which you know. So so good, good on you for, for me. That. I'm glad I'm glad yeah. I was smarter than I think I am. Uh, the funny thing is, yeah. again, I don't remember any of that episode, even yes. a little bit. Uh, you described this movie as dense to the point of incomprehensibility, which is a which I would like uh, to retract. I think this movie is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, we did both watch the long version, the two hundred and five. Probably cut. a mistake. Yeah. you watched it on Hulu, and it was the only thing available right. on Hulu. Right, I got the DVD. Uh, which we'll talk a little bit more because the the Criterion DVD at the time had different bonus features than the release now and than what's on the Criterion channel now. Uh, you really, really love the bell making scene, which which I, think I, I, I was correct about the bell making scene is <laughs> yeah. really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we joke about how uh, <laughs> uh, the fact that. No one wants to just watch two people talk is why our podcast will never have an audience. Right. <laughs> Accurate. Um, well, so like. Uh, but we but we say that as a way of dismissing this movie as just which is, a series we were of wrong. philosophical conversations. So, which, you know, which is interesting. Like, it's really like as a reflection on like what we yeah. thought about back then. Like, I guess like we've gone through, we've gone through a lot more things like Dreyer and stuff like that where there are you know, yeah, lots yeah. of like very. We've watched a lot other Tarkovsky. Yeah, that's true. Point. That's also true. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you really yeah. think, and like the fact that this, I was talking to Adam before we started about how like this is compelling me to go back and revisit all of my, all of the Tarkovsky because yeah. like, oh shit, like I really love this movie. So like, and I don't remember, yeah. I don't even like, I liked Solaris yeah. and I don't remember this, it. I just don't remember it yeah. at all. This is a movie uh, you were, you were generally baffled by and I wasn't in a position to defend because really, at the time, I liked it based on vibes, alone, right? More or less, and and I probably <laughs> I to a certain extent was not I had, was still not mentally prepared for these yeah. kinds of movies, which I a little bit better prepared for now. Like, I, I honestly speaking, like I said, I I think this movie's fucking amazing, uh, yeah. and like I and you know honestly though, I I did end up rewinding this movie multiple times. In even the second viewing of it, because uh, there are times when Tarkovsky does cuts to new scenes where sometimes I have a little trouble following what's what has transpired. Yeah. I'm more willing to engage with the film like that than I was back then. Uh, I do yeah. think watching this for the first time for an audience member in the theater was probably a very challenging experience. I think that's because like I, I have the power better. of a remote control. I can go like now. Wait a minute. Right. Well, I'm, I think my face blindness is not helping here because yeah, what is his name? Kirill and and uh, and Rublev look enough alike to me. Yeah. That I was like, 
I was like, is this a practical joke you're playing on the messenger? What's happening here? And then it, and then the scene evolves. I'm like, oh, okay, I get what's happening now. But like at first I was like, yeah. I don't know who's why why do you all look the same? Yeah. Yeah. Um something we did talk about back then that I think is still valid. Uh there's no intermission in this film and it's really long to not have like an actual intermission. <laughs> yeah, the only difference uh, is, is now we've seen a lot more movies that are even as long or longer than this. So yeah. we we've sat through both brackage sets. So well, you know, the brackage sets aren't meant to be watched <laughs> I'm in, just, one, I'm I'm in joking, one go. But, you know. And that's and that's fair about this one too actually. It's episodic nature. Every 15 to 20 minutes or at the most 35 minutes you have an opportunity for a break right i i <laughs> so, actually like, kind of as long as you have a pause button i kind of <laughs> yeah. wonder like did did real showings of this movie possibly give i have to the, well, i, I have, have to, to believe break. they did because there's like the I chapter one and two mark even there in addition to there yeah. being like the the sort of scenes like the 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 different scenes there's even a mark where yeah. it goes like, ah, oh, chapter a, two. Um, so it's yeah. like, well, that feels a like reason, a intermission right there. Yeah, a reason we may have not uh, done that on first viewing is that since we both watched the long version originally, and this time uh, we both watched the short version, right. but I also watched the long version again. Uh, and I watched the long version again <laughs> intent on recognizing... Right recognizing the differences right where where things were cut uh in the long version from when we first meet the greek so in that scene right where, where kirill meets meets uh meets the greek um Thessaphanes. yeah i was gonna say we should say his name because otherwise it's gonna turn into that weird like movie yeah. that came out like yeah. whatever like 10 years ago yeah theophanies uh is his name actually i keep trying to put an s in the first syllable for some reason but theophanies um, from when we first meet Theophanes to I think, um, I think it's through through the Passion and through the Holiday sections before we get another title card. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, all of that is which which would have made it much more confusing to watch to go into this, this blind for the long version, right? To not realize that there's a time jump in some of those things. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, like, uh, that did us a disservice, I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah. honestly speaking, yeah. like, um, you know, I mean, even Tarkovsky admits that, like, this is, while while there's obviously parts that were cut because of censors and stuff like that, the yeah. long version is not the intended version of this movie, really. Right. Right, like right. it seems like according yeah. to multiple people who comment have commented on this movie that Tarkovsky essentially put in some filler so that they would cut it down to what he wanted, more or less. Right. Yeah, that some of the more violent elements, more of the some of the nudity, were were meant to be uh, stuff stuff put in to get cut. Right, exactly. Right. Um, well, yeah. it's, it's, we it's how modern, budgeting works, modern, right? It's same deal, right? Yeah. You like, uh, you know, you budget. Right extra 30% so that when they cut your budget down, you get what you want, right? Right. Same right. idea. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and we've talked about modern directors who have done that, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a thing, yeah. right? You Like, if you know, if you know for a matter of fact that you're going to get shit cut out of your movie, it never yeah. hurts to pad, <laughs> to pad the bill a little bit and then, like, let them cut it down right. then. 
And then you always get surprised by the one scene you expected the censors to object to that they right, that they yeah. And then you're just like, you on. just left that in there, huh? Well, okay, yeah, whatever, yeah. guys. Um, yeah, and it's also true that in in at least the cut from the 205 minute to the 183 minute, uh, there uh, that Tarkovsky made those cuts himself. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then there were some yeah, he a had little bit of over that it, edit. a little extra stuff that he didn't seem that doesn't seem like he wanted yeah. to, but. Even now, like even um, much later on, he stands so, by the cut that we watched it out this time. So one thing that wasn't really touched upon in my memory in the bonus features that we experienced way back when, that does sort of come up in some of them this time because the bulk of the bonus features this time around were released for the 2018 right. Blu-ray update. and are and are very or, much focused on this movie specifically. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, whereas back in the past. Like a lot of first director uh, introductions right, yeah. in the Criterion Collection, we get sort of a career retrospective as the bonus features right. as well, right? Uh, because Criterion's not sure that they'll ever release any the rest of these movies, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> or well, or know that they will and want to whet our appetite for the rest of the movies, right? right. I mean, yeah. There's you'll notice like that like when we like not to like derail what you're saying, but like uh, we we were talking about like how we made that top ten list or whatever, like. The first yeah. hundred episodes of of the criteria, the first hundred spine numbers, seem to be like almost as as broad of a like. Well, this is all the directors we wanted to get into the collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, unfortunately might might be true to the detriment of the people making those decisions too, right. because all the directors that they wanted to get into that were European white guys, two women. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, almost no non non white people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Besides Kurosawa. Uh, but uh, what I was getting at was um, the uh, the political reality of the making of this movie is something we didn't talk about in the first episode. Right. And I feel like it would have been something we'd be interested in even back then. Because uh, we weren't we weren't making active choices not to engage politically with. No, we just, just didn't not, have our we didn't have our vibe figured yeah. out that well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. um so part of the background on why this got made was uh, Russian exceptionalism myth building. Man, the whole the Andrei Rubov stuff with that is really interesting yeah. to hear. That was really cool to listen yeah. to. So the thaw under Khrushchev is uh, widely recognized that we've talked about because there's the de-Stalinization, this, this de-censorship thing. There's this relaxing of that. But, uh, but it's also a time where... There's sort of more anti-religious sentiment than under Stalin, which is which is a weird line that we're walking when we talk about Rublev. Um, so he comes to power in '53, and in 1960, Matisse comes to Moscow. And while Matisse is in Moscow, someone shows him the Rublev icons. Uh, though, really, uh, I think one of the uh, one of the video essays points this out. Only one of the icons is definitively right. attributed yes, yes. to Rublev. Yes. The rest, Rublev was part of a group of people making icons, Kirill among them, you know, those, uh, everybody we see in this movie who is working with Rublev at the monastery painting icons. They were, they were all working, you know, together. Uh, so Matisse sees them and praises them for artistic form. And... The powers that be decide, oh, maybe we shouldn't be hiding these in a closet. And in 1960, 
put out uh, an exhibition of Rublev's work and position him as a uh, the phrasing uh, that that the one video essay uses as a uh, a Russian Leonardo as this Renaissance man of uh, you know he was philosopher painter and really it's a lot of myth building right. And, and you know they're using it as like a saw a sort of bulwark. I mean, like you know, there's this sort of Russian exceptionalism, yeah. but there's also like a, a re, you know, an idea to reappraise. Some, we see it in the movies that we watch around this time too, like to reappraise Russian history to a certain extent and sort of like start like you know because like especially during the Stalinist era, there's a sort of like oh we're we're starting fresh here. Like this is a new thing yeah. we're doing here. Um, whereas like there's a sort of return to the idea of like okay like. Legitimately, we can go pull, pick and choose our way through Russian history and, like, pick out the, like, the things that seem to amplify the sort of, as you talked about, the Russian myth and, like, sort of, like, help support what we have here now. You know, every country does it, right? And and there's a sort of idea to, like, be like, okay, like, these things are, we're good regardless of how they are what they were a part of necessarily as a sort of society that was bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we've all agreed that Russian peasantry society, like uh, feudal society sh- was shit, but right. check out these right. cool things from yeah. then. Yeah. So, uh, so that's happening in 1960 and uh, Tarkovsky made Ivan's childhood and it was internationally recognized and everybody loved it. And, and basically he had carte blanche to do whatever he wanted to do. Uh, so in 1964, mid-1964, he starts making Andrei Rublev, uh, a biopic about a guy who there's almost no information about his personal life. Which in, which, in tar- which Tarkovsky and yeah. describes as being, or, you know, they describe as kind of being perfect, right? Because, like, yeah, do whatever yeah. the fuck we want. He can want. do whatever he like, wants. He can, we got nothing. Yeah, he can myth, he can myth build in his own ways. Um. And then while he's making, while they started making the movie in 1964, Khrushchev is deposed and Brezhnev comes to power. And Brezhnev uh, is more Stalinistic, right, right, we'll right. say, than Khrushchev was, certainly. Um, you know, Brezhnev, Brezhnev's time in power in the USSR is, uh, planted the seeds for the fall of the USSR. Uh, you know, right. certainly the, the leaders actually in power after Brezhnev had, had more to do with that. But there's a lot of economic stagnation under Brushev, or Brezhnev. There is a little bit of pushback. There's a little more censorship uh, as, as he comes to power. So basically, Tarkovsky started making this movie in a time where censors were less likely to care. The, the government apparatus was less likely to right. care. Uh, and also, he was coming off a career high that no one was going to tell him no. Right. And then immediately after they started making the movie, another hardliner comes to power. Right. Uh, so well, so they finished this movie in 66, and it showed in uh, Moscow. And then it was buried for at least three years. Right. Um. Well, it's worth noting yeah. that, like, at some point, essentially, the desire for this, they, they, the Soviet Union at that point had built up such a sort of desire and fervor around this essentially mythological character that it's sort of at some point that 
overrode <laughs> the desire to keep the film buried, right? It's like, oh, well, we yeah. do have a movie about this guy ba- like banging around yeah. in the vaults, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, an, inter- an interesting aspect of that uh, that uh, the Jay Oberman essay gets into. Uh, so at the insistence of the French Communist Party, basically, um, and their international pool, uh, in 69, this is shown at con. Right. But it's shown out of consideration at 4 a.m. on the last day of the festival. Still wins a critic's prize. Uh, then sometime in the next uh, few months or years, uh, possibly illegally, probably illegally, uh, it starts getting exhibited in France. Where the cut came from, no one seems to know. Once it start, started getting publicly shown in Europe, there wasn't a lot the Soviets could do. Right, I mean... So they're like, oh, we might as well own it. Yeah, I mean, yes and, and no, and right? A, like, I mean, plenty of things release. get shown, you know, during, right, got right, shown right. overseas that didn't ever show up in the USSR. But yeah. it, it's worth, like, you know, especially, again, with a beloved figure. Yeah. If you combine yeah. that with the so, idea of, like, oh, well, people overseas are getting to see... A movie about our our so it's, national hero. Why are we not getting to see a movie about our national yeah. hero? It sort of seems like a war you don't need to necessarily fight. Right, right, yeah. And it was uh, Tarkovsky had already done the cuts. The two hundred five minute version is what premiered in sixty six in Moscow. Um, and there was the pushback before it could get international release, and then a little more pushback even after the initial cuts he made down to the one hundred eighty three. The 183 version, I believe, is what was eventually publicly shown starting in December of 1971 uh, in the Soviet Union. Just started, it started actually uh, Christmas Eve 1971 in the Soviet Union, interestingly enough. Um, and then we talked about this in the original episode, uh, but almost no one talks about this in, in anything we've talked about. Uh, the 205-minute version that Criterion released for the DVD and is still on, is on the Blu-ray too, that we watched originally that was on Hulu, uh, is also the origin of one of the early builders of our Scorsese mythos for the podcast. Oh, really? Uh, because he he purchased the 205-minute copy from apparently just a marketplace. He ran across it uh, in Russia, uh, is oh, my man. understanding. Scorsese. Um and yeah, that's that's where that's where the excellent copy of the two hundred and five minute, comes which from. is interesting. I mean, it's nice to it's a nice to have, right? Like, but it's like it, yeah. it, it's a weird one, right? It's a nice to have, but it's a weird one because like even Tarkovsky wouldn't consider it the official version of the movie, right? Like to the point where Tarkovsky is on record saying that like no the the, the version <laughs> right, that like people right. saw is the one I wanted them to see, and like the two hundred and five minute version is considerably more of a slog like not right. just not just because of length but because of the way things are patterned and move it's more confusing um like every every nearly every single bonus feature on this one talks about how the 205 minute version is more difficult to handle yeah. uh, right even yeah. Even as the cut version also introduces little cotton yeah. movie errors. But like I really find it funny that there's the, the, the bonus feature what's the name of Robert 
Bird, is that his name? Uh, yes, Robert Bird. Robert Bird's like, oh, you know, these these <laughs> he's got these like three continuity errors that like, and he the way he describes them is, I really like his his what he does in that in that behind it like as a whole it's very good and very helpful and very informative yeah. and I like it a lot but he refers to them as like in a way that is significantly overwrought <laughs> he's like un- <laughs> unwatchable and I'm like okay dude like. The guy yeah. is not that like I I've watched every movie I've ever watched, not being able to recognize a character from one scene to another, you're fine, okay? The fact that the guy shows up again, I just assumed in the story that that meant yeah. that they hadn't left yet because, you know, it's the medieval times and it takes fucking a month to get out the goddamn door. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's particularly talking about uh um the sequence where the messenger comes to get it's supposed uh, to get Kirill. Rublev instead of Kirill. Right. Right. And uh and Kirill has started his breakdown and is then back inside quoting Ecclesiastes. And I think I think it does actually kind of make sense. I I think it reads ha- fine. I don't see it as yeah. a major problem. The and the issue seems to be that like one of the guys that's going to go with Andre with Rublev yes. is in there. But again, like I was just like, oh well I don't know how much time I never know how much time is passing scene to scene right. in this movie anyway, other than when they put the date like on the title card. So like yeah, you know, I was like, "Well, okay, he's gonna leave, but like, maybe they haven't left yet. It's fine." Like, right, right. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I, was I wasn't like, pulled out. <laughs> pulled just, out by that. Robert yeah. Bird's like response is the, kind of just a little bit dramatic. It's like, "Whoa, dude, yeah. <laughs> calm down." So, so yeah, in that sequence and uh, in, I think the last judgment sequence, or maybe, oh, the raid. Definitely in the raid, things are moved around a little. Yeah, bit. and. Um, right, and then there's also like a bit where like how and wh- I forget the name of um, her character now. The um, uh, oh the, yes, the, the the holy fool. Yeah, the holy the, fool. What's the name of her character? Um, I can't find it now because I'm bad at reading too. Um, what is her name? <laughs> her name is Dur- uh, Durachka. Yeah, Durachka is like there's a scene like w- later on in the in the camp too, where in the in the monastery yeah. where. It gets just rearranged a little bit, so it's. I guess if you're paying really heavy attention to the continuity of the story, it doesn't make perfect sense. Yeah, but like again, I'm yeah. kind of with you now. This is like eighty percent vibes anyway. Like, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah, the difference is uh, the long version has a little more nudity. Uh, it has more on-screen overt violence, though. That that. Like I said, that that saw scene is in both. Right, but so, like I mean, and that's that's probably one of the goriest. Yeah, it bits is pretty gory. in the and, entire and, movie. But they cut out like the animal violence specifically. Like they don't, we don't right. actually see the right. dog getting murdered in the in the yeah. shorter version. Which is apparently yeah. like I guess there's a horse on fire at one point, and that's not in there. There's a cow on, a cow fire, on fire at one point that's cut out, and we we talked a little bit about that in the original episode because the cow on fire was a stunt cow. Uh, they 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 didn't want to hurt the cow. So the cow is in a in asbestos costume. That's amazing. That they light on fire. That's ama- now the cow. So now good. the cow just has yeah. mesothelioma, but it's fine. Yeah, right. I mean, the cow would have died pretty quick <laughs> anyway. I'm sure the cow's the cow's already dead, Pat. He doesn't have cancer. I mean, you don't. Um, you don't or the cancer actually, is like a superpower. I actually, and the cow's still alive. I do not. I do not know the life expectancy for a cow. I have There's no idea. Possible, I have to assume it is yeah. not um, fucking like so, eighty years though, or whatever, sixty yeah, years. Yeah. 
So we do see, we don't see the cow on fire during the raid. We don't see uh, Kirill's dog's body right. twitching that we see in the long version. We don't see the aeronaut's body at the beginning. And I think I think that's such a small cut uh, that the ambiguity of leaving it, whether I, the crash killed him I, or I not, like is it more interesting. I like it the way it is. I, I do too, because you're like, because actually, oddly enough, in, in multiple of the um, bonus features, they refer to him as being dead and like, you only know that definitively yeah. if you watch the longer version, which I don't remember. So it's like, well, right. I mean, I guess he's yeah. dead, but like, is yeah. he? The uh, yeah, the horse getting pushed down the stairs is in both versions. Yeah, uh, which uh, I mean, they put a lot of work into. We talked about that in the early uh, early one too, and I I think it's an interesting enough story that I want to share it again. Um, the horse was a horse they bought from a slaughterhouse. So it was, it was like already on. So it. They, they they sort of self justified yeah. like, well, I mean, it was this horse yeah. was fucked anyway. Yeah, yeah, it had a broken leg. Uh, so yeah, they and then they returned the horse carcass to the slaughterhouse oh my after they were. Yeah, uh, so it still got used. I mean, uh, you know, honestly, if somebody they gave it a little, it, you know, I mean, I think it's probably pretty good. They gave it a little break and made it a movie star before. Before they sent it back to the slaughterhouse. I I know that it's, it's not reality, but there's this world in my mind where like the the butcher then sells it at a slight markup because this this horse was <laughs> this meat was in a movie. It is it is like it is it would be one of the darker episodes of uh, BoJack Horseman, uh, but but it wouldn't be out of place in the world of BoJack Horseman for this story to be told. I mean, yeah, it just seems like the cuts are like mostly like. Not really. They make sense. Yeah, they seem to make yeah. sense. They seem to like make them like again. This I I remember. I don't remember the movie, but prior to this, obviously, I remember it very well yeah. now since I watched it like yesterday. But like what I what I mean is like I do remember having a not necessarily positive, fully impo- fully positive impression of the movie. And, like, I wonder to a certain extent how much of that falls at the feet of, like, Hulu only giving me the long cut. Watching Criterion on Hulu was never a very good experience. Um, And this, you know, watching the shorter, like, I I didn't even find the movie boring. Like, I remember thinking this movie was boring. And I'm like, why did I think this movie was boring? This was really interesting to watch. Like... I, again, I have some trouble following who is who from time to time. It gets easier as the movie moves yeah. along because Andre starts hanging out with fewer and fewer peers of of a similar sort of visual aesthetic and and style and 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 age, and starts hanging out with a more wider cast of characters. It makes it much easier for me to identify who is Andre Rublev right. at any given moment. Right, um, right. You know, uh, but like he, it's I really like. I even like I even like the pacing of the movie. It's really I I don't know what was wrong with me other than the fact that I just didn't appreciate movies yet. Yeah, yeah. I I I I think that's a fine explanation. Yeah, seems like it. Um, you weren't you weren't primed to appreciate this movie. Uh, and and the Criterion Collection is specifically time, not designed to be watched the way we watch it. No, no, it's not. I cannot right. I cannot and, put this at their feet for like why did you make me watch this so we, early? It's like well we didn't yeah. we didn't design the collection to be yeah. watched in order you weirdo. Right. Yeah. We watched this then Solaris then Ivan's Childhood. If if we had started with Ivan's Childhood, yeah. Uh, 
Or even if we had just started with Solaris, because both of us really liked yes. Solaris a lot more. But then again, uh, we watched both we of liked. those, and specifically Solaris, later on enough that, like... Right. We also had a better knowledge of, of film. Yeah, period, just film in general, like, film. knowing more, like, my one of the takeaway experiences from this is film is more enjoyable the more you learn about it. Like, the experience of watching yeah. film gets better the more sort of... Not just, like, interaction with film, because, you know, we'd all seen a bunch of movies by then, right? Like, I watched movies constantly as a child and everything like that. But, like, yeah. the more you actively engage with film, the easier and more fun it gets to to watch film, right? Like, to watch movies. Right. Um, and, like, it's not even a thing I understood in episode 30 or whatever, right? That, like... Right, right. And, and, it, yeah. and it's, you know, now, like, every movie is like a more it, enjoyable experience because of it. Yeah. Even look at the other movies we watched during this recording session. David Lean's Oliver and Nanak of the North. Right. Like, what is that collection? What is, right, right. What, what, is that what were we set? doing to ourselves? <laughs> like, but, yeah. Well, but even from the Criterion perspective, what is that release order? Yeah, I know. Uh, it, like, well, like, and, and we've talked about this before. Like, my takeaway from the early, like, blocking of the Criterion collection was, like, more of a, like, well, what are the what are the directors we want to get in the collection, yeah. and like what Everything can we get we can. access to? Right, Everything we can as quickly as possible, right. in whatever order it comes to. Right, us, basically. Now, yeah. there's a and lot it, more yeah. purpose to the criteria. There's there's a lot more releases, but also a lot more. I I feel like a lot yeah. more thought in the Criterion collection now than there used to be at the beginning. Right, right? you could just feel and, it, when and you of woke course. It. Of course, a lot of that thought is still, how can we make as much money as possible? Of course. But, it is uh, most notice, notably a for-profit enterprise. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even that was early on. You know, Armageddon was, was just a few, a few oh, yeah. after this. No, yeah, totally. Right. Armageddon uh, and then, yeah. yeah, it's it's well, it's just, you know, they, I mean, Armageddon like was the most obvious cash grab to even us at that time. But like. Right. Um. In the end, it it, it it took a while to come to understand, and even now, sometimes you got to reset your brain and be like, "Oh no, this is not an archive of film. No matter how much you want to look at it, this is a way to you know you are going to profit off of films that are harder to get in the United States. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what this is. You know, and re-listening to the episode, and again, I don't recommend anyone do that. Yeah, do not do that. Um, we did. Adam did that. I you, we didn't even do that. Yeah, I. I yeah. wish I could I say think, it was because of time. It was because of time, yeah. but also I would never. Yeah, yeah you, know, you don't need to. Um, you know, you were bored by it. Yeah, um, I can see that. But I think in the long version, you were justifiably bored by it. Uh, that extra half hour and the lack of title cards between sequences uh, for a big chunk of it. It makes sense. And that, I, uh, yes, I, it, I, yes, I, yeah. I contemplated which one to watch, and I was like, because again, even yeah. now on the Criterion Channel, they do not telegraph which one you should watch very right, clearly. Right, right. Yeah, and also, and also, they have the, they have the longer version under, not its original title, because um, they have it under the Passion of Andre Rublev, uh, but it was actually released as the Passion of Andre. Oh, interesting. Um, which uh, is, you know, the the one bonus feature currently, Three Andres, sort of makes allusions to that in right, its yes, title. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. Because, because the passion of Andre. Two 
directors. Yeah. No. There's Andre Rublev. There's Andre uh, Tarkovsky, obviously, but also the screenwriter, the third Andre in that is uh, is Andre uh, Konchalovsky, right? Who also co-wrote uh, Ivan's Childhood, uh, and and was a director in his own right, and eventually moved to America and directed Tango and Cash, which I find. Oh hilarious. my goodness, that's that's wow. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway. Um, but yeah, so the passion of Andre leaves it sort of ambiguous as to what Andre we're talking about. Maybe a little bit if we want to get. And I, I, I talked a little bit about this in the first episode. Is why I'm thinking about it. Um, but also, Tarkovsky's editing of it, uh, and Bird's Bird's bonus feature gets into this. Uh, is or maybe maybe it was the other one. Maybe it wasn't Bird. Uh, but one of them talks about. Sort of the de-Christianizing, the de-religiousizing of the story too, to make right. it more of a straightforward biopic and not a religious thing. And part of changing that title was also changing that. The none of the edits were in favor of that because none of the edits eliminated really any pertain of the, to anything religious. <laughs> well, I mean, you kind of yeah. you know, like you get the impression that Tarkovsky is like, like they talk about his, they briefly reference his relationship with religion uh, in some of the bonus yeah. features, but like. You don't get the impression that his goal here is to talk about re- a religious yeah. figure as much as to talk about a person's sort of yeah. relationship with his, with his humanity and humanity sort of writ large. In, in as much as mystic and materialist are a spectrum, and I don't really think they are, but um, but uh, Tarkovsky is much more of a mystic than a materialist right. in the films of his we've seen, right. period. Uh and that mysticism is not inherently tied to uh, Orthodox uh, Christianity, right? In exactly, any overt yeah. way yeah. for him. Um, what yeah. I find so, really interesting is also like when you hear Tarkovsky talk about this. One of the things that that's interesting here is that despite not really playing with it that much, Tarkovsky is. A, a product of the myth building for Rublev in and of himself. In yeah. that, like, the yeah, way absolutely. he talks about Rublev is things that are attributed to Rublev that we have no factual basis for. <laughs> right. Like, right, right. his sort of engagement yeah. with humanity and, like, the brotherhood of man is not based on writings of Rublev or anything like that, generally speaking. No. It's, it's all based on, like, art critics attributing things to Rublev, like, or attributing, like, icons and stuff to Rublev that he didn't necessarily pay. We have no idea. Right. And then people reading into the meaning of those icons and then saying, oh, well, like, really, Rublev was kind of a humanist, wasn't he? Uh, in, right. in kind of the most roundabout, batshit way possible. And as a result, because it was all about Russian myth-making, and not necessarily, Tarkovsky necessarily being a part of that in, like, an active way, but just being a product of that myth-making, um, he talks about Rublev and like makes statements about Rublev that are like seem to be aimed at like the real person, but are really more just describe the character he created for this movie, which is fine because right. again we're talking about like he's his goal is to primarily more than anything use Rublev as a sort of as a way of decoding and understanding life at the time that Rublev lived and and helping people understand the real boots on the ground experience yeah. of being a peasant in, in feudal right. uh, feudal russian society yeah. 
which this movie is extremely effective at, right? The movie is, yeah. despite not having right. that much violence, is deeply brutal. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is It is a, um, you know, they aren't particularly interested in uh, real historical accuracy in as much as could have been possible right. anyway, talking about 600 years prior. But uh, but it is definitely interested in the 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 universal thing that that the uh, the Soviet experiment is built on anyway. Uh, being a peasant sucks, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and and like yeah. and, and it's a sort of and the and sort of dispelling the idea that like people didn't know how bad their world was or something. You know what I mean? Like there's that sort yeah. of persistent myth of right. like the ignorant peasant who like doesn't understand. Right. Like especially right. like sort of retroactively, people sort of like reflect back and like, oh well, they didn't, they didn't know how bad they had it. They didn't. It's like no, no, they knew. This shit sucked yeah. then, and they knew it. I say in that in the regard to suffering, there, this is not a pro church movie by any no, means either. No. You know the the you know even from the very beginning with the jester being arrested out of out of the place where they have the three monks have sought refuge. Uh, the church does a lot of ignoring of atrocities right outside. Well, its door and like, and his sir, the jester's denouncement was made by one of the monks. Like, you know, it was made by a right. hero. Like, there, right. there's a, there's a, the movie doesn't spend a lot of time on it, but there's a noticeable nexus of power between the church and those yes. brutal regimes, right? They, they operate in, right. in, in, in tandem together. Yeah. yeah. And I will say that, um, which makes it a very pro Soviet point to be made in this right. movie. For, right. Yeah, the uh, you know we've talked previously with I think some of the Eisenstein that we've talked about, where you know the Soviets were interested in absorbing the uh, the history of Russia as as itself in in that continuity of power, right? Right, um, and you know I think I think today. The leadership of Russia is interested in well, and now that in just includes the USSR in, in it, in it as yeah. well, right? In be, yeah, yeah, in in believing in that that myth of Russian continuity, and this movie helps to that in a real subtle way that I I'm only just starting to think about with with Theophanes, with the Greek as as a Byzantian, as a famous Byzantian who moved to Russia. And that takes that religious authority and that cultural authority of Rome into the heart of Russia. And I'm sure there are other there are other people, right? Who, who well, and, and we could draw that too, and, and as sort well of a, with the Russian, a sort of using of the sort of religious authority as a function of the state authority to say, like, oh, like this exists because of a direct line of continuity with like religious authority right yeah. like oh well the yeah. czar is the czar for for a reason kind of idea right. right and and the czar is the czar because of caesar because of an ideological uh not not just religious but but the religion is tied up into it in in an in, uh yeah, it, in a way you can't yeah, pull it yeah. out of. It, it is and that and that <laughs> oh. yeah that's kind of the idea right is the idea that like yeah. oh well like the church and the state are the are the same are the same right. essentially the same entity. Yeah. And here what's interesting here right is that like this is early on. This is like the the very very beginning of the formation of the state sort of period, right? Like because right now like it's still essentially an occupied territory. 
but mm-hmm. like sort of Russian self-identification is starting to sort of assert itself and um sort of take hold right in 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 the infighting that happens between the duke and the duke's like the grand duke and his brother it, that is the starting of an establishment of of like actual like russian right. self like statehood right yeah no it's <laughs> The movie is a lot better than we certainly than we gave. Yeah, it I mean, like I, like I said, ago. like I, I, w- there's no, I have, I have puzzled over this in my mind for probably a year or two. Like, is there a yeah. way we could find a way to just redo the hundred first hundred episodes while still <laughs> doing the regular <laughs> podcast? Is there a way to right. slide that in and be like, look, like we're different people than we were ten years ago probably smarter yeah. and better at this than we were 10 years ago not going to give us a lot of credit no. but we're better than we well, were 10 years ago the uh, the trade-off on that though is that our our attention spans are definitely constantly getting worse this than is they were true. 10 years ago too. and it is so. and it is progressively getting harder and harder for me to be awake at yeah. like fucking two o'clock in the morning anymore which is what which is right. the opposite i keep running into which is like well like i can barely make it through a two recording night now whereas we used to do yeah. three at a t- well I mean, Adam, we were like 27 years old. Well, we were 27. And also, keep in mind, when we were doing three a night, they were also pretty strictly one-hour episodes. That is true. We have so let the, 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 uh, the time count on these yeah. episodes balloon significantly. Uh, not that I'm yeah. complaining, because I'm, I'm happy with how they go now. Uh, and also, I only had the one child. Uh, right. And, right. And, and also, that child was like a little kid and not like... Yeah. <laughs> about to start junior high school, which which is which is yes. a, which is a bit of a mind fuck. Time, but, yeah, time, man, yeah, time keeps on. It going. marches on, right? Uh, a thing that that our that our good friend Andre Rublev also discovered. <laughs> time continues. The opening sequence with the balloon guy is its own Russian myth building, right? Because that that story is a 19th century creation of a story about a. Uh, 16th century aeronaut <laughs> right uh that then tarkovsky also changes because in in the story it is a guy a peasant who decides he can fly builds himself some wax wings like icarus right and jumps off a church bell tower and immediately dies whereas here we de-icarize it uh and we let him survive for a little bit longer uh, and we get the fantastic panoramic you know it, it allows us to have a Tarkovsky yeah <laughs> it really feels like in some ways an on. excuse for yeah. that right like oh well we yeah. could do a, yeah. a really awesome panorama yeah. like um, pan yeah. from a crane shot yeah right yeah at the at the risk of re icarizing it I guess uh, <laughs> I've now that I've uh, now that I've adjectivized Icarus. Um, I don't know. No one really talks about the first sequence in any of the commentary I've seen. They mentioned, uh, I mean, in, it's mentioned. It's in, mentioned. Uh, yeah. That, that, um, yeah. that uh, select scenes with commentary talks about it. Yeah. And, and, and primarily well, no, like, as, a, as a sort of filmic, te- a bunch of different film techniques and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They talk about it as the film techniques. They talk about the changes it, it was made. Um, but, uh, but I really think that even as its own little sub film, uh, as a uh, as a story of someone, 
reaching for the divine, reaching for uh, creative freedom, and the status quo rabble hating him for it, right? attempting to kill him for it, and then it's still killing him, even as he succeeds right. in, in doing it. I think that is a theme that stays true through no, the rest I of the mean, movie, it definitely even though does it's set much the... closer to the Icarus myth than right. than Tarkovsky wants it to be. <laughs> I mean, it definitely does sort of, it, it, in some ways, right, it, it, it has a sort of, like, theme uh, purpose in setting up that sort of idea of, like, the, the act of trying to escape the bounds of, of that you're sort of stuck in is is both a sort of noble one, but one that will ultimately kill you, right? Um, yeah. But also, it, it does a nice thing. It sort of sets up, sort of just it, it helps to establish really early on the sort of brutality of what we're talking about here, right? Right. Like right. You and... you you get a very you come to understand extremely quickly that like Tarkovsky is making a very brutal world. Not right. making it obviously. He's he's showing how brutal the world is and was, yeah. and that like. Oh yeah, like your yeah. your neighbors they, will absolutely try to beat you to death right. for trying <laughs> trying new right. things. That first scene gets talked about usually just in terms of escapism, right? Um, of trying to escape that that darkness, that that brutality uh, by flying over it, right? Um, and to that extent, maybe that theme is a little more more true, though I don't think I don't think they're mutually exclusive themes. Um, you know, Rublev doesn't doesn't end up dying because of his art, but he does end up killing because of his belief in non-brutality. Right. right? Well, um, and we watch his, we watch it, countless other people die or almost die, die yeah. because of the well, because yeah. of a very similar sort of thing that they're trying to attempt. Right. Like we, right. we watch the the stonemasons get their eyes gouged out. Right. Uh, right. As a result of their artistic integrity and their and their desire to do art, like uh, to do like right. to do art. Um, right. We watch. We we understand at the end that the boy making the bell is his head is literally sitting on the block, uh, right. based solely on the success of this bell, which is just enough. Like, even if we accept the fact that we, you know, we come to understand that he didn't know what he was doing anyway, and he was just sort of like winging it. Like, even if he did, that's a that's a, a ridiculous thing to like. We as a yeah. modern society understand that as a very ridiculous thing to like. Do regardless of how like skilled he is at this thing, like, right, right, right. Um, yeah. That actor, by the way, same same kid who played Ivan in Ivan's Childhood, oh, okay. uh, which is not something we would have known ten years right. ago. Right, very true. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The bell sequence obviously still stands alone. It's it's its own thing. It, it well, and- it is its own short film and. The entirety of the rest of the film is contained within it, right? Yeah, like multiple people is... have commented that you could, in theory, just have that. That could be the whole movie yeah. almost, and it would be get across all the information that the whole movie does. You would miss a lot of the sort of poetry of the rest of the movie. Oh right? yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but the, but that poetry uh, is also present comparable there, poetry yeah. is in that yeah, scene. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to to that point, almost nothing is cut from that scene. In the long that makes version, sense. I, I will say it is it is my only qualm with it now, which is going to sound insane considering like what my stance ten years ago was. Is I really do like that scene. I would say it is almost too action packed. Uh, yeah. In the sense that like the pacing of the rest of the movie is so methodical and like you you feel the sort of stillness of Rublev's soul to a certain extent, 
And that scene yeah. is because it is about that boy is so much more manic and like energetic yeah. than the rest of the movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, but it's you know it's it's also about the manic nature of of power put onto artist of power put onto worker right and how uh, how this kid in his desperate attempt to get out of living in a village where literally everyone else is dead right i mean it takes a gamble that, uh, that was was still the the smart bet right like oh yeah this is a hellhole where everybody either has the plague or yeah. is dead already yeah but takes takes a gamble in a way that immediately puts pits him at odds with other workers right puts him at odds with the people who should have been his community uh puts him in a position of power over them where it's life and death for him particularly and therefore he is abusive to them. Right. Uh yeah, even we, when he we understand be. the the uh, nature of power really just like clearly in right. that scene, right? In a way that we don't right. understand when Ruba like Andre's interacting with the prince and the kings and stuff, because that's a direct like very high like authority like, you know, that you're dealing with the aristocracy, right? And like it, it's a direct like that sort of power relationship is direct whereas like with the the bell scene in that boy you you see like how the sort of power dynamics develop and how you end up with a right. oh this person's above these people but still a million miles below the person who's going to murder him if he doesn't succeed <laughs> right <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah it's yeah it's just such a fantastic film um I will say revisiting it. One thing I remember thinking when I first watched it that uh, that my own face blindness uh, that pops up at times. Um, I thought that uh, the passion play that we see, right? Um, in rewatching it, it's pretty clear that that is something that uh, uh, Foma, the assistant, is envisioning, not. Not something that they have stumbled upon while, right. while uh, the Greek and I still and struggle having their talk. Time. Like it was, it's yeah. still. I I understand <sighs> mainly because of like I understood mainly because of like some of the film techniques that surround it to help it like be. Yeah. but it's still yeah. pretty vague. Like, yeah. I also remember initially watching that, thinking that, uh, the the Jesus of that passion play was Rublev. Right, um, but it turns out it's, which would it's, actually, right. yeah, it's a yeah, it's a different it's a different credited actor, it's a different person, uh, though Rublev being in that and it being his assistant imagining that, I actually think would have made sense. Right, right, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's, yeah, but yeah, but another thing that that I think could have made sense if that were a real action taking place with Rublev being being the Jesus in this passion play. I remember thinking and originally watching it that the Mary Magdalene in the Passion Play was the same woman he encounters oh, in, in the, in the, the holiday. Yeah. In the woods. Yeah, it's definitely like I, I can I can see where you're coming from. And like and really it's where like you know costuming combined yeah. with like casting can, can sometimes is, really lead you down like the, a, a, a yeah. strange roads. Yeah, the only aspect of that, the Mary Magdalene thing, is is my dumb brain actually accidentally making a slightly better thing, right. I think. <laughs> right. Just thematically. Yeah. But. It, it really comes down to a certain extent, like, it's, 
part of the the sort of a a flip side of this movie and, and the pacing of this movie means that um it's pretty easy to forget all the people you see yeah. fully 30 or 40 minutes before because because right. the way Tarkovsky's doing a lot of his his sort of you know set dressing and everything like that is there's a lot of people in in a lot of these scenes right he's not afraid to have a very a lot of a lot of extras on 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 set and it 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 means that like you're like okay like is that a person I've seen before is that not a person I've seen before I feel like this is a movie that would be benefited by like you know three more watchings right like to get a really good like <laughs> Maybe, solid yeah. handle on everything that's happening um but like you know the nice thing I think part of what got me that's made it much easier to get through for example the the passion play and everything like that is that like I just don't I, I I don't know how to say this in a way that sounds good because I mean it in a good way. I just don't care as much anymore. Yeah. What, what I mean is I'm yeah. more willing to accept movies on their own terms. Where I'm like, oh well, this doesn't make like perfect continuity sense, but like, who gives a shit? Like, right. We've we've encountered enough movies along the way where like a director just doesn't necessarily want you to be able to form a coherent like point to point narrative. Where it's like I can now yeah. just accept like okay well like but like it feels good here like, like it, I don't fully understand like why this thing if this thing is happening or who it's happening to but like it feels right so like cool and that's just not a thing I a, a, a skill I even possessed ten years ago or even like five years yeah. ago it, that's something that's developed over time and now I'm much more willing to just be like yeah just sort of take the a film on its own sort of on its own level okay like yeah some things are going to happen in here that maybe you're not going to get exactly but you're going to see them and they're going to be affecting and you're going to understand that even if they're not you can't understand the full like they don't necessarily make sense in the story they feel right in this place and i right. and i kind of even them that way with the passion play this time because i'm like it's just sort of happening and i'm like well this is odd but like it doesn't it's not out of character for the rest of the movie <laughs> like so it's fine right right yeah yeah and you know i i originally entered it as just sort of a mystical thing that happens that they happen to ha be having this conversation about the crucifixion and then encounter the passion play that that would make sense to having right. taken place exactly. in this random village right um i was like then, oh it must know, be we, it must be easter i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like, we don't know what time of year it is. It's, like, it's I mean, snowy. it could be snow and uh, Easter. I mean, I've, I've I, even where Russia. we grew up, it snowed at Easter sometimes. Yeah. Like, so whatever. Right. All the time. I just, you know, I'm so happy. I wrote in my, on my list, what I wrote about Andre Rublev was this is a movie that I thought a lot about in the last 10 years and would love to revisit, but never would revisit because of its length. Uh, so, um, one reason I released my list last was that I didn't really want to affect the vote right. in, in a way by saying something like this. Uh, so I didn't release it until it was already pretty clear Andre Rublev was going to win. Uh, but this is a movie, and I said this, I would never revisit unless I was forced to. Not not out of any negative feelings for the film, just that I would never think I need to sit down and watch this right. again because of its length right and now what you've uh, learned is is we absolutely did need to sit down and watch this movie again <laughs> i did uh and uh, and in fact i 
sort of watched it twice over the last right. two days too. I could so, not do yeah. that. I I I admire your 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 tenacity. <laughs> yeah. I had, you could I had not pay me enough money to watch that, that <laughs> again, log Pat, version again. I will never do it. I don't. I don't have a family. Uh, I don't have children. So. <laughs> like six hours of I your was, life, just I've like been, wow. I have essentially been home alone for a week. Uh, so I watched. But like, weren't you busy warding off of burglars? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. No, uh, I, but like I said, like this has inspired me. I really need to just go watch everything else Tarkovsky I can get my hands on to get like because. This is very. This was very inspiring experience. I'm like, oh man, if I like this one, this much, and like it was one I was real iffy on before. Those ones I actually liked more at the time are probably gonna like fucking knock my socks off. <laughs> I'm gonna die. Uh, uh, which is like an interesting. It's like a very. I'm very like anticipatory for it, right it's like wow like i can't i can't imagine how much i'm going to like those movies so uh i have in childhood and solaris and then eventually stalker here i come i've never actually seen yeah. stalker it's a movie that's on my my personal like i need to watch and i, I need to watch it i saw stalker i saw stalker in a theater a few years back um i i do really like stalker i think also it is a movie that people uh would think is boring uh, and in fact, the two people I invited to go with me to see it in theater both thought it was incredibly boring uh, and fell asleep. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, that I all I know is that everybody I know that I trust about movies has said you should watch Stalker yeah. or has said Stalker's amazing, and so it's like, okay, it's I need to watch Stalker. This is and now now I need to just watch it even more. But but then yeah. again, people, it's like this, you know, there's a whole cadre of people who think 2001: A Space Odyssey is boring. Yeah, and like artistically has a high artistic merit but is not a good movie or like not like these are these are clearly people these are clearly people who have never seen Solaris so like I fucking love that I was, I was like you know, I was watching a discourse on that the other day and I was like I didn't know there were people who didn't like I mean I know there are people who didn't like 2001 but I didn't know there was a whole group of people who thought it had high artistic merit but was not a good film to watch that's weird. That's weird. I, I was like, pop whoa. No, this did predates Glass Onion significantly. I was going to say, does that discourse bubble up because of the Barbie uh, reference to it? I think the, it did. I think, I, I think that trailer. is actually probably where it came from. But it, it and, yeah. and people just sort of obliquely referencing the idea that like, oh, it's famous shot and like it's famous movie that you should never watch or something or, or like. Yeah. You watch one time, and then now you know, when, and now you never have to watch it. I was like, bye, 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 bye. I've bought this movie on every format that has ever existed. What I'm fascinated by in this movie is also, like, I really, what, what really, like, I don't remember is, like, sort of that middle section where they're, like, touring the, the, the church that he's just, I guess it's a church, it's not a church, it's his mansion, right? That they've just done where the stonecutters are going to go on to the next one, right? And all that white, and, mm -hmm. like, that set, that scene setting is just absolutely gorgeous and i just didn't remember any of that and, yeah and it's really shocking to me in hindsight that i didn't remember because it's beautiful uh right. it's so ethereal i really like uh one of the commentary i think the scene the scenes with commentary one uh bonus feature talks about the idea that like feathers just start falling for yeah no reason but like it's just so you're so engrossed in like the sort of 
the scene right. setting that you're like, it doesn't matter that there's feathers falling for no reason. It feels yeah. really good. Right. That just the stark whiteness of the background uh, makes every insert shot of any individual face feel like an icon itself. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, and like, and you yeah. never mind, never mind the fact that people are posed in sort of the, but all the bonus material makes reference to this occasionally, but not as much as I noticed it. Like, constantly people are posed like icon like uh yeah. paintings like they're just like all the time people have that sort of like tilted head or like that like sort of oblique face and then like yeah as you said in that scene yeah. especially where you like it's that stark white it's it, it's really amazing i fucking gorgeous stuff and, I, and it's just like wait why yeah. did i well that's the other thing if i'm being totally honest 10 years ago i did not have an appreciation for sort of cinematography as an art form really right right um yeah that i that i feel like i do now uh so like i wouldn't have quite keyed into how beautiful all those scenes were right. like i will now and then They're... also oh i have one more thing but you can go ahead i won't forget no please go ahead um please go ahead they were talking about um in that battle scene I, I i'm forgetting the names of each of the title cards so it's kind of messing me up but where the the raid the raid yeah the raid yeah um and one of the, I think again, the scene, the scene with commentary thing is really amazing. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, talking about the, yeah, fact I'm pretty that, sure that was on the original DVD too. It, it it is excellent. I it I it's it's a highly, I think it is my most highly recommended bonus feature. Yeah. Personally, like I got so much out of it, and I didn't even get the chance to finish it. I only got like sixty percent of it done, but like I really yeah. liked it. Um. They talk about the fact that, like, unlike a lot of other action scenes anywhere being shot at the time, your camera's positioned, stay like in a place and pans around the action and sort of takes in different setting, you know, sort of scene settings as it pans around instead of following a specific person doing right. actions. Um, right. And I forget now what the scene setting makes a reference to is like, oh, like as a like a kind of a style that, you know, oh, he refers to it as like documentary like. Which it is yeah. accurate, but actually, what it really calls to mind, and this is very stupid sounding, is a very certain style in martial in like, kung, like uh, Hong Kong action, like kung fu movies, where they will do that, especially or even like that sort of adjacent to that. I'm I'm thinking very stupidly enough, like for example, something like Ong Bak or something, but like yeah. where like we're in a really complicated sort of like, like you know, action movie. Uh, especially in that sort of like kung fu movie style, you'll have the a lot of things going on, and the camera instead of following an individual actor will just sort of take in the sort of scene as a whole and let you sort of try yeah. to absorb it all at the same time. It sort of yeah. To me, me the ra- to me the raid itself reminds me of a different sort of historical uh, religious art, the tapestry. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, in that. There's there's all this action going on, and we are panning across and focusing on little bits of that right. action at a time. And sometimes we do come back to the same character showing up in a different part of the tapestry. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Which is oddly yeah. enough also a thing you get in in certain sorts of scroll art in like uh, in China and and Japanese scroll mm-hmm. art and other places that would where make the, sense. where you're like, I remember one that I saw. I can't remember the name of it, but where it's like many, 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 many meters long, and you're supposed to just walk along it and take it in, and like there's just scenes develop and finish as you walk along it. Um, tapestries work; they they all work kind of they're all of, of a kind, right? Right. Um, right. 
Yeah, I agree with that. That's yeah. That's, I didn't think about that, but that's a really good point. The idea that like, oh yeah, like you're watching, and yeah. and that can happen in these in the action scene where like people move during the pan. Right? right now they're in a different spot. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know that's that's a very frenetic sequence, uh, and as such, it is the the least icon like sequence right. in the movie. Um, and the bell making sequence is not really icon like. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to use the word iconic there because right. I, has yeah, its own yeah. connotations. Yeah, it has right? a different feel to it. Uh, right? I mean, like an icon, not uh, not memorable. It's not what I mean. Um, you know, the the bell scene is certainly iconic in the modern use of the word iconic. Right. But but it's dark. It's dirty. It's material. Right. None of the people feel like they're being posed in that way. It right. more seems to right. be referencing later forms of art, right? Like it, it's more yeah. like something you would see in like later, like in later religious artwork where you have more uh, people in more sort of um, dynamic poses, right? When you start thinking about later forms of like sculpture and right. painting, when okay, well now we have a really like we've gone away from that sort of icon style to a more like uh, like realistic. Um, interpretation of the human body and now we want to show off that skill with like really high dynamic poses um and you see things like that in that part right where people sort of draped over or like mid like really pretty dynamic action uh which is i think pretty interesting which is interesting that that ties into the italians showing up at the end to like kind of comment on how crude the bell is there's a certain sort of like it kind of the movie seems to be making a reference to the idea that like there's a sort of disparity in sort of cultural art form at this point already, right? Like the Italians are here, like kind of looking down their nose on like oh, these people are way, way behind where we are with yeah. regards to art. Yeah, yeah. That I don't know the the material in this, uh, and and you know the the uh, topics at hand too. I suppose remind me of. Uh, Goya, the third of May, eighteen oh six, particularly of you know the darkness and the, you know that's a that's an execution scene, right? Right. But, uh, but yeah, but you, you know, know that just... that is a that is a style. You know, there's a sort of that sort of darkness and and grunge. You know, you see it show up in a lot of much later, uh, sort of your just sort of European art right. in general, like that 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 desire to sort of. Sort of going for an authenticity, authenticity of, of aesthetic rather than authenticity necessarily of like, um, sort of. I, I don't know how to. Now I'm trying to form this into a coherent thought. Like, the icon and stuff is, in many ways, a thing that people don't seem to understand. A lot of times is like, it's some of the malformation of the physical characteristics are not like because nobody knew what a person looked like. Right, you know, right. a lot of that is derived from like trying to represent. It's it's meant to be more art, art, art working in service of like, right, theoretical sort of like religious ideals and stuff, um, and so they're go- very going for very different things, right, um, and you know, there's a certain sort of like judgment involved in the in the Italians being there, right, <laughs> like right, right, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think I think it also speaks to what I spoke to earlier about the Greek and the Byzantine of uh, this Russian ruler 
trying to uh, trying to uh, cement uh, his rule right, of right. you know of, of 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 saying you know these Italians have come to visit because we are the rightful inheritors of Rome. Right, right, uh, yeah. There's definitely that. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it too. Right. There's a whole there's a whole lot of stuff sort of wrapped up in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. International relations. We should have someone who actually understands international relations come nope, on our podcast never. sometime. I want nobody who understands anything about what we talk about on this podcast. <laughs> I'm taking a stand right now. All right, all right. I, I'll, I'll allow. The charm of the that. podcast is just how stupid and unaware of anything we are. No matter how specific yeah. you are in typing in the name of a Goya painting, you will still get beans. <laughs> Like yeah, you can type you, in you, the you, name of the the of the painter and the full title of the painting, and you will still get beans. Yeah, that's uh, that's Google now. Yep, that's it's just, a, it's amazing. That's just how Google is. It's really, really, truly uh, remarkable. <laughs> oh man, we should start an Andre Rublev bean company. Uh, so just, that's, uh, just to make just to ruin the future. Too. Yeah, to absolutely ruin the future. I don't oh, want any man. beans. I feel like that's stealing somebody's thunder. We should figure out some other really oddly innocuous. Yeah, the, uh, the Goya item. people deserve to have their thunder snowed on. That, that's also true. You're, you are. Yeah. I meant more in the other direction. That maybe, you know. But um, no, I Rublev. We, we need to think about what thing we could tie Rublev's name to, for the purposes of uh, of confusing the future. I don't. I don't know what's a product that fits into his sort of oeuvre. Um, we'll have to think, to think on that. it. Yeah, and uh, write in with any suggestions. Yes, yes, indeed. Put them in the iTunes oh, comments man. so that I'll find them six years from now. <laughs> I haven't looked at the iTunes. I only look like once every so five long. or six years. Like once every yeah. five years, I'll like have to log into iTunes to fix something, and like my brain will make a a critical error, and decide, yeah. hey, while I'm here, I should just check out the the reviews, and it's it's never. I mean, the good news is we're on par with literally every other Criterion podcast. They all have three yeah. stars, 100% yeah. across the board. Listen, and they all I, have the same I comments stopped. of, like, clearly people think they want to listen to Criterion podcasts, and they don't. Yeah. No. No, the thing is, uh, obviously some people do because we do have an audience. Well, I mean, I mean like, but, I think, those, but <laughs> I think those audience but, are not yeah. making iTunes reviews. Yeah. The iTunes uh, reviews yeah, needs to be, it seems true. to be entirely made up of people who tried to listen to some number yeah. of episodes and then realized that what, really Criterion podcasts aren't for them. What I have always said since our very earliest iTunes reviews, and I still hold by this and think it's true, is that uh, the vast majority of our iTunes reviews at least, and I think this is probably true for the other Criterion Oh, I went right uh, up. Podcast it is, reviews, I know, yes. What you're going to say is true. That <laughs> that it is, uh, it is always... Really love this podcast. Would be so much better if I were also a host. Yes, uh, and I think that's people, true for a lot of yeah. almost every podcast. The, really, yeah. for being the honest, people, yeah, the people who uh, leave us iTunes reviews at least are are people who want to have these conversations. Um, and there's there is something <laughs> to the idea that wanting to have that conversation and listening to someone else have that conversation aren't really the same thing. Uh, right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which, you know, brings us back around to our Patreon because uh, 
supporters on our Patreon have frequently popped up on our podcast to talk to us about uh, yeah, you know, movies they love. Uh, and I really love when that happens, you know, and, and interacting with our listeners in that way uh, is really great. Um, and I do enjoy it, uh, but I don't think we've ever done that with anyone who left us a review 10 <laughs> no, years ago. I don't, I'm said, not going to call them I should up be on this podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, you are wrong about, about maybe certain movie here. I just like the idea. Down. So many of them are listened to this one episode, hated it, never coming back. Beautiful. Yeah, just yeah. beautiful work. The last, uh, since we moved to Podbean uh, as uh, as our host, we've gotten one comment. Um, oh, on Podbean? We should probably yeah, on Podbean. Uh, and it was on, uh, what was the episode? Uh, what was that one with Tobey Maguire uh, that was during, uh, during, um, um, oh, a Kansas. lot of people also uh, fail to understand that this isn't a review. People seem to think we're doing reviews. I'm not doing reviews. Oh, no. Never doing a review. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our our one review on Podbean is for Ride with the Devil, and the guy uh, called it... Uh, um, I don't remember correctly, but uh, explicitly, but it was essentially liberal nonsense. Uh, but I looked, I looked into the guy, and it turns out he wasn't mad at us for uh, interpreting "Ride with the Devil" uh, in too far of a leftist way. He was mad that we weren't Confederates because oh. he was a neo-Confederate. Oh, cool! Uh, <laughs> wow, good for him, I guess. Uh, being so, the weirdest glad kind he of person to you our could podcast. be. Yeah. Glad he listened to the podcast. Hope it planted a seed that pulls him out of the ideology black the hole. Really, that he the is stuck worst in. kind of person you could possibly be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I love. I, I should. I opened it up because we started talking about it, and it's always a bad idea. Yeah. I just like the idea that some people think we need to read every book that every movie is made on, based on. Yeah, that's that's been a really long constant. That's that, that's that an ongoing to... thing. I I just like yeah. the idea of like oh well every episode that's based on a book is going to take us a full like month and a half to record. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> oh, uh, it's beautiful. Beyond the of all reviews. the things this, of all the all the things that Lost in Criterion is not and never will be. This is not a uh, critical review of how good an adaptation is. Right, and, well, and, of, and, the, and really, very, yeah, absolutely, 100% not, because I don't really read um, things that aren't for work, basically. But also, uh, it's worth noting that it's not, it's not a review at all. Like, I mean, I think maybe some of the yeah. early episodes, that first 100 episodes, we probably did toy with that idea. But these are people making reviews based on much later episodes. So, like, we're not a review. Yeah. Like, we talk about what we like, what we don't like. Uh, that's not a right. review. Like, a review, in my mind, is when you start getting into scoring and suddenly I've my, got thumbs going up and my, down and shit. Yeah. My view of Lost Ring Hyterian has always been that this is Pat and I having the conversations we would have had driving home from the theater. Absolutely, yes. If somehow we uh, saw Andre Rublev in a theater yeah. in Mansfield. Uh, yeah. A, a highly <laughs> improbable scenario, but nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, absolutely, and and you know, and I'm going to do something that's that is. I, there's something I feel about the iTunes reviews that are count is counterintuitive to what happens in nearly every podcast. Do not, under any circumstances, go leave, leave us a review. I don't want anybody <laughs> listening to this podcast under the false assumption that they're going to like it based on their star reviews on that thing. <laughs> it is a recipe for more people writing reviews that are like really like totally missing Listen. the point. 
I think I think after ten years, we're not going to shoot to the top of the iTunes charts. <laughs> I know, so. I know. But like, there's always so, that thing, right? You I'm, see, like, so many I'm podcasts, agnostic. like, okay, go leave us a five star review. But I feel yeah. like if you did that, it would I actually would... make things noticeably worse because then people would listen to this and be like, "Oh my god, this is terrible." What am <laughs> I, I doing? Here? We've we've got our audience, and we occasionally pick up more. Yeah. Uh, and and in fact, um, surprisingly enough, the Andre Rublev episode on Podbean had i believe 56 listens when i went to listen to i it. am so uh, so sorry 56 people have listened i, to I assume Andre it Rublev is people episode. who wanted to hear like knowing what this one was going to be and then went, i am so sorry i didn't listen to it adam <laughs> did but like adam we, i have to believe that is not a very good episode of this show it's it's not a great episode it's not our worst from mac then certainly um right but, but yeah i feel like uh, you're grading not, us on a it's curve not a good one. Because like from back then is a really is a real serious yeah. caveat to, to include. Hold, hold. Like it's probably yeah. pretty bad. Uh, we uh, we finished that episode. Uh, our sign off on that episode was thanks for listening to us be confused about this film. Uh, oh. And I'm pretty sure the the closing music starts as I say the word film in that sentence. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> um, Good work though on that. I, yeah. Yeah, and you know we were confused by the film back then, and we were confused for all the reasons Pat's already said. You know, we weren't when we started this. We weren't film guys. We liked movies. We weren't film guys. And right, we're still absolutely. not film guys. We're not. No, we're not. No, I'm still a film moron. Yeah, that's we've not, just seen a lot not, of them now. Yeah, that's not what. That's not the point of what we're doing. The point of what are. <laughs> I don't know what the point of what we're doing is. It's well, the gauntlet. I mean, it's the point of what we're doing. One maybe. of the things that's but, important uh, to note that, like, we've this is I, I've mentioned this before. A lot of this podcast came into existence because you and I weren't talking as much as either of us would like, despite having been friends for a very long time. And this created an environment where we would sort of, I don't want to use the word force because that sounds bad, but like would put us in a position to regularly talk. And it still serves that purpose in a really meaningful and important way to me, which is why I feel always comfortable saying that like there could be no Patreon, which there wasn't for a long time. And we would be right. doing this because We'd I enjoy talking this. to you. Uh, and yeah. this it gives us a topic to talk about, which is, I think, helpful. Yeah. Um, and but, I do. But I do appreciate I, patrons. I want to be very clear here. Yeah. Thank you very, very, very much, all the patrons. Like, I, I love that there is an audience for this and that yeah, people are listening it makes to me us. Happy and that, and, and it, it does encourage us to continue on doing this. I do, I do think you're right to say that. We would have continued doing this. Yeah. You know, when we first started, when we first started talking about doing a film podcast way back when, uh, we were looking. We didn't want to just talk about the movies we wanted to talk about. Right. We did want to externalize those decisions. So we were looking at different lists of movies we we could go through, and we were always talking about it being a weekly podcast. Right. So when we talked, we thought, well, we'll do AFI's 100, 100 years, 100 movies, right. whatever, that sort of thing. And we both immediately responded with, no, 100's not enough. Right. That's like two years. Uh, and then we're going to, what, stop talking? Yeah. I don't, we yeah. have to pick a new list. So so we have accidentally um, <laughs> taken up a suicide mission. a list mission. that will never end. Right. I uh, consider it a suicide mission because I will most certainly die. Before we, this, yeah. before we get done. This is a guarantee yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and we we decided to do the criterion just because it was a longer list. Uh, we did not, 
in fact, when we started, they weren't releasing films. No, as it was fast not growing at the rate it's growing now. We they were yeah, it was what, like six hundred and something when we started. Yeah, yeah, there were there were about six hundred when we started, and it was there were a few uh, like five or ten a year or something. Yeah, yeah, we would um, have caught up at that point. Right. Yeah, actually, we yeah. would now they almost be done now. Right now they do three to five a month. Yeah, it's and, really uh, wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do they do they all get? I this is a totally nuts and bolts question. I'm derailing this conversation. Do they all get physical disc releases now, or do some of the ones they add only go to their streaming right, service? Terrence, spine numbered releases are still, still only all physical, physical releases. Release? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah, and we. Yeah, I like and we did decide releases. to do spine number releases because, uh, because it was just too much to think about <laughs> their, Anything their else entire oeuvre yeah. and all the eclipse stuff and all the stuff that's just now all the stuff that's just streaming. Uh, I mean that would have that would have really neat, goofed up like, the works. It is neat, but like what gets branded Criterion on streaming would have changed. Would we have watched every movie on Film Rise? Would that have been a thing? Right, right, well, absolutely. Film Rise didn't exist long enough for us to watch every right, movie right, on right. Film Rise. So. Lulu, when it was still uh, like Criterion Channel, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, no, and like yeah. the tri- Criterion Channel is, I, I'm just, I'm, I like what the Criterion Channel is doing with their streaming. Yeah. A, they've cleaned I it up. I hope it so continues it to exist. Yeah, me too. I yeah. really hope it doesn't go out of business or get <laughs> yeah. closed down because I like all their thematic things that they're doing, they oh, do. Yeah. I think it's all really, I mean, they finally yeah. kind of nailed their. It took them long enough, but they finally yeah. are like doing what they probably should have done from the beginning. Right, it took them quite a few tries. Yes, yes, of, a lot of, of tries. Partnerships with streaming services, but but yeah, yeah, their own their own branded channel has really worked out. Uh, and you're right to say what their their curated lists on that are are always really fun neat. and they're, they're really neat. Like, like the 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 Halloween one they did this year that was just a whole bunch of weird outsider stuff yeah, too. Yeah. It was so good. It was. I watched so many of those movies. Well, what's um, I, where I forget what the, what's on there right now, but I really want to watch some of the ones and what's like specifically the on the header right now. I forget. Um, uh they're doing oh, something uh, really neat. There was a. Uh, the screwball comedies. Ah, yeah, that's account. it. I want to. I want to go in and one? play around yeah. with the screwball comedies. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and they've got they've got both uh, both the critics poll and directors poll from the sight and sound. Release. Yeah, I saw that. I feel uh, like that's overwhelming. I, 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 I almost clicked yeah. on. I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to die. I can't do this. Yeah. Um. And and for their winter, one of their winter lists is also snow westerns, which is very right. nice too. Um. But yeah, well, they're doing uh, a good job, and whoever's in charge of all that, keep it up. Good work. Yeah, I doubt you listen to this, but if you do, good job. Yeah, and and Criterion, if you want to put like all of your money into the streaming service and stop doing spine numbered physical releases, that's maybe okay make it too. so that Adam and I don't uh, have to die at the wheel. <laughs> no, no, I would. I will admit, I was a couple months ago. It broke that there were layoffs. In the criterion, I, yeah, uh, and I thought, I thought, wait, this might be our chance. To actually <laughs> yeah, we might, this. we might make it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll be like yeah. eighty-five years old, but we could make it, man. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, no. And and I'm very sorry for those workers. Yes, I want to yes, be very clear. Here. Temper, temper that. Uh, those those were people who were not expecting to lose their jobs, and uh, I am 
disappointed that they seem to have lost their jobs overnight. That's yeah. very bad. And Criterion uh, you should be ashamed executives are bad are bad for having that happen. Yeah. 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 A, a general refrain for this podcast. <laughs> executives are bad. Yes. Yeah. Blanket even, statement here. Even when they're the reason we watch 1960s sci-fi every so often. They're <laughs> yeah, still for bad. their weird, weird eclectic, like, I watched this when I was 12 and it was fucking rad. You should watch <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Put it in the Criterion oh. Collection. Like, why? <laughs> no bonus features, just there. Just because well, uh, they don't exist. Yeah. Like, no one's ever talked about right. this movie in a critical way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Criterion, you're insane. Yep. Uh, you're always being insane because you're just a group of people uh, doing different things every five years as the group of people changes. Uh, and hey, that's uh, that's the people consuming it as well. Right. <laughs> always, absolutely. So. Always a group of people changing. Uh, and as uh, as those groups of people become less and less white and male, uh, things are getting more interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, absolutely. So that's good too. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everybody. Yes, who has thank you. So we we got a years. little bit. We I got know. a little bit in our in our feelings there towards the end. But yeah. uh, I know that a lot of people who have listened, uh, who listened ten years ago, are not still listening. Uh, but uh, if you are, I'm are, so impressed. <laughs> there are there are some folks I know who still are, uh, and and have been for a very long time. And I'm I mean, very some of our patrons have been doing it for what like. Yeah. I mean, like how long has that been going on? We've got Patreon supporters who've been supporting us for six years. So, uh, thank you so much. You know. I really wow. Yeah, yeah. So so happy to uh, have you know unseen and seen tangible support in doing this. Uh, it is it is yeah. It's cool. It's cool that it's you do. Very cool. Uh, and very happy to to have connected in that way. Uh, and you know, if we had picked a different list of movies arbitrarily, I don't know that we would have had that connection. There's not a culture built into the AFI. No, not movie yeah. Lists. It's more just like a thing you look you know. up on the internet sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know, we picked we picked a list where we get that, uh, and and that comes with good and bad. Yes, yeah. <laughs> those iTunes reviews, but uh, but we're happy to have done it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, this week we've been revisiting. Andre Rublev and revisiting 10 years of doing Lost in Criterion. An unbelievable next 10 week, years. An unbelievable 10 years indeed. Uh, next week we will finish up our Von Sternberg box set with the Docks of New York. Uh, so at this point we recorded that episode like two months ago. We're, we're really getting back into the, back <laughs> into the 10 years. Like, 10 just years don't ago comment through. on it because we'll never we'll, <laughs> it's going to be two months yeah. before we talk about it. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I'm as always the Adam Glass. With me as always John Patrick or Tyler Dorgan and we'll see you next yeah, time. And, and honestly thank you so much. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. We've got at least 10 more years of this. Oh at Let's least. Have at it.
This has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening. <laughs>